Hey everyone, great to be with you tonight. Uh, I want to start a series. I actually probably started it last time I spoke, a couple of weeks ago. I talked about a guy called Jephthah, and, uh, and that has inspired me to do a little series called What a Character. Just looking at characters in the Bible that really stand out. And uh, I'm sure we all understand that figure of speech. When we hear it said in our society, what a character, what a character he is, or what a character she is, I'm sure we sort of get a picture of what that means. It generally means that there's some standout qualities in this person. In some way, they're, they're colorful or they're larger than life. And, you know, even if there's some rough edges, this always tends to be said in a positive way. And I want to look at tonight, I want to look at David, King David in the Old Testament. What a character. Uh, and I'm going to look at three significant events in David's life, in his journey of life. And I hope that we will see some of ourselves in some of this and it can help us to take our own lives forward. So David, what a character. Here's some reasons he was such a character. Well, he was a giant slayer. And this is maybe one of the better known stories uh, of the whole Bible, as a matter of fact, not just about David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And it says this, in those days, Goliath, of course, is a giant. Goliath would stand up and shout at the Israelite army every morning and every evening. He did that for 40 days, laying down this challenge. One day, Jesse said to his son, David, here is a large bag of wheat grains I've cooked and they're 10 loaves of bread. Take these quickly to your older brothers in Saul's army and take these 10 cheeses to the officer who leads their group of soldiers and find out whether your brothers are well. Bring something back to me to show how they are. And so we've got this scenario where the, 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 these armies are drawn up to fight one another and the Philistines were determined to enslave the nation of Israel and uh, David's older brothers are off fighting, but David's at home minding the sheep. And his father sends him up with bread and with cheese to the army. Now, I, I, I don't care where you come from, bread and cheese spells one thing pizza. So what we see with David is that his first job is as part shepherd, part pizza delivery guy. Big shout out to pizza delivery guys and Uber drivers and menu log drivers. All of you delivery people, you are truly making the world go round. And this is where David began. Now we know how the story ended. David took out the giant, saved his nation from captivity and enslavement. That's the bottom line of the story. So David begins so humbly. And here's some of the things we learn. Here's some of the places we might see ourselves in the picture. Humble beginnings don't necessarily or shouldn't necessarily shape your perception of what's possible in your life. You might think you've come from a fairly, you know, lackluster background or something like that, but humble beginnings shouldn't shape your perception of what God can do through your life. They certainly didn't with David. Um, doing little things well is another thing we see, David. He was happy to take the pizza to the boys. Doing little things well creates opportunities for big things to happen. Jesus put it this way, if you're faithful with a little, then you'll be given much to do. And I, I wonder sometimes whether we don't miss great opportunities 
because they come dressed up as little opportunities. And if we're not willing to take on the little opportunities, sometimes we never get to our big break. Uh, and the last thing here is that we all have giants of different kinds. You know, this is David facing a very physical, literal giant so, so long ago. But the fact is we all face giants of different kinds from, from self-worth and self-esteem issues through to sickness or relational struggles, whatever it might be, we all have our giants. And what this story teaches us is trusting God is the way to go forward. Cool. So David is a character because he's a giant slayer. He's also a character because he's a bit of a dancer in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Uh, so as his life unfolds and goes further on, he ends up being the king of Israel. And it says here, David ceremoniously dressed in, in priest's linen, danced with great abandon before the Lord. The whole country was with him as he accompanied the chest of God with shouts and trumpet blasts. I love this thought. I love sort of visualizing this, but here's David. He's a king. He's, he's arrayed in these priestly garments and he's just dancing wildly and all the people are joining in. This, folks, is what we have in the Bible, the very first recorded mosh pit. And David's in there with the whole country going crazy. But then it says, but as the chest of God came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, happened to be looking out a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, her heart was filled with scorn. Now this is difficult because Michael is actually David's wife. And David returned home to bless his family and Michael, Saul's daughter, came out to greet him. And, and I, I don't know whether I can say this sarcastically enough, but this is how she said it. You know, how wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today, exposing himself to the eyes of the servant's maids like some burlesque dancer. You know, she's basically accusing him of being some sort of semi-stripper. And, uh, and even though David had the moves like Jagger, he hadn't won his wife's heart. Uh, it says that he danced with wild abandon. He exposed himself. Look, uh, the fact is he was wearing a priestly ephod and uh, they were just basically an overcoat. We have no idea what else David did or didn't have on, but we do know that, you know, the Bonds Underwear Company wasn't a thing in these days. And she's accusing him really of just sort of, uh, you know, being actually very inappropriate. Now, there's lots of things we could look at in this story, but here's the one thing. David really rejected her claims anyway. He said he, he didn't care. He thought he'd be respected because he totally gave himself to God. And, and here's the point that we learn, and that is David was more God-focused than man-focused. David didn't really care what the people around him thought. He was concerned about what God thought. And, you know, I wonder sometimes whether, you know, we actually miss out on some of what could happen in our lives, some good things that God could bring into our lives, because we're more concerned about what the people around us think than actually just pleasing him and honoring him. And we've got to give this to David. He was more God focused than man focused. He was a God pleaser. He wasn't a man pleaser. And because of that, his life became incredibly blessed just after this this story. Okay, so here's another thing that makes David a character. He's a tad dualistic. 
Okay, so he's a giant slayer. He's a bit of a dancer, but he was a tad dualistic. And by dualistic, I mean, uh, or that word means divided into two opposing concepts, or almost like divided loyalties or, or one entity, but with two very distinct parts. He was a tad dualistic. And if you look at David, he had a life of extremes. It's quite easy to see in him, you know, from courage and self-sacrifice in his early days and then extravagant worship. And then, unfortunately, by the time we get to 2 Samuel 11, we see that he's also got some of the most destructive of human foibles. And so 2 Samuel chapter 11 It says, one evening, David got out of bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman who was washing herself and she was very beautiful. So he's basically looking at a girl taking a bath. And David sent a servant to ask who she was. And someone said, this is Eliam's daughter, Bathsheba, and she is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent servants to fetch her and she came to him and He slept with her. And it's like, oh, David, you dummy. Because the fact is, contrary to what popular movies often portray, no good comes from infidelity. It always brings heartbreak for many people. And this is true for David. If you follow his story through, this was a very difficult season in his life. And it kept biting him literally all of his life. And, and what we see in David, I, I don't want to focus on exactly what happened, but just this dualism. You know, the Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart, much earlier in the scripture, much before this story. And, and yet here's this contradiction of David's a man after God's own heart, and he's also potentially this rampant sinner. Uh, and so there's this, this dualism, this split thing happening in his life, And the reality is that we all live with our old selves, if I could put it that way. If you're a person of faith, you're pursuing God, you're following Jesus, but you're very, very aware that um, old tendencies and old character traits are never too far behind. And here for David, position didn't change that just because he was the king. Just because he was, you know, the Bible says anointed by God with power to do great things. In spite of all that, he was still human. He might have had a a heart after God, but that did not mean he didn't have a human heart that was prone to its own level of failures. And the fact is, I think we all can relate to that. We all understand what that is. If you've tried to follow God by faith, we understand this contradiction that we sometimes live with. If we're honest with ourselves, we live with contradictions on some level. And that was David. But here's here's the great thought from this story. David's contradictions didn't totally disqualify him. When we keep reading the story, God kept using him. God stayed with him. David knew what it was to walk with God in spite of being such a character, giant slayer, you know, worshipper extraordinaire, and yet a very broken human being at the same time. And he was a character, but he's a character we love, and we've all got a little bit in common with him on some level. So here's some questions for us to apply the, the thoughts, some of the thoughts I've brought out in the story. Uh, and they're good questions to ask yourself. 
Here's the first one. What obscurity? What glass ceiling? You know, if you, what, what is covering your potential? What glass ceiling do I need to push through to make a positive impact on the world for Jesus? Because I think we've all got that. We've all got excuses or we all feel like we're not capable. We don't have what it takes on some level. We've been not noticed. We haven't been given opportunity. But what do you need to push through to make an impact? Because David did. David didn't let the fact that he was a pizza delivery boy stop him from becoming a king. Here's another question. Are there areas in my life and potential that are currently being limited by a fear of people around me. Where do I hold back? Where do I find it hard to really go after what I believe I should go after? Because I'm worried what people might think, what they might say, what they might do, maybe what they might post on social media. And the fear of man should never hold us back from pleasing God and doing what he requires of us. Here's the third thing. Where do I feel disqualified by past failure? Where do I feel disqualified by past failure? Can I believe God's forgiveness is enough to cover it? And I want you to ask yourself that question now. You know, can I believe that God's goodness, that his forgiveness, that his grace, that everything that Jesus did for us has made it possible for me to get up and dust myself off and get going again. Because we see David do that again and again through the pains of his life. Can I accept the fact that God is still with me even on my worst day? And you know, when we, when we can do that, I, I think we become bits of characters ourselves in all of these things. When we can you know, peel off obscurity, refuse to allow limitations of the past, uh, to cloud our vision or to, to cause us to, to pull back. When we refuse to let people shape our future and their opinions or their impressions of us, when we refuse to bow down to the pressure of the crowd, when, when we refuse to let failure take us out, but we accept that God's on our side and we get up and we run again, uh, I think that is what could make you a bit of a character too, the kind of character that God could use. So let me pray for us tonight as we close. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who's watching, everyone who's with me right now. And uh, I pray your word has spoken to their heart. And uh, I pray particularly for those that do feel obscure or covered over or, or left out or left behind or whatever. Father, I pray for a new sense of tenacity and courage for them, that they'd rise and just, you know, throw off... Uh, you know, things that have covered up their lives or covered up their potential, throw it off and pursue you breathlessly. I just pray for the courage to do that, just like David had, to go up and face that giant. Uh, Lord, I pray for people as well who are, who've really struggled with what other people might say, what other people might do, and that has restricted them. Father, I, I just pray for every heart here that they would break that, that they would determine to break the fear of man and they would be totally trusting you in every circumstance. And, uh, and Father, I pray for those that, that may need a fresh start. Uh, I thank you that your word says your mercies are new every morning. 
And so for people who may need to leave failure in the past so they can keep going with the life that you've got for them, I, I pray right now for a grace for them to receive forgiveness and to determine to dust themselves off and stand up and get going again in the race of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I trust that message has blessed you, but uh, maybe you're here with us tonight. And uh, as I talk about these things, maybe God in your life, God forgiving you, championing you, creating opportunity for you, that might not be your experience, but it can be. Uh, That's what God wants to do for every person on the planet. Uh, The Bible says that God so loved the whole world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus came so that we could receive forgiveness and we could get going with the future that God has for us. And so if you're here with us tonight and uh, that hasn't been your experience, you could make it your experience in the simplest of ways. I just encourage you, just right where you are, just in an authentic, transparent way, just open your heart to God right now. And you you could say things like, God, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And, uh, and honestly, if you pray that openly and honestly, your heart's desire is to connect with God, then I believe he's going to touch you right where you are and begin to do something in your life. And uh, right now, the host will put something in the comments. You can comment and say, look, I've made that decision to follow Jesus. I've opened my heart. I want God in my life. Please let us know so that we can help you in any way that we can. We want to get a Bible to you, answer any questions that you might have, but our hosts will tell you more about that. And I'm going to hand you back to them right now. So God bless everyone. How about we go out determined to be a bit of a character like David this week?